0: Grant, O Lord, that because we have met together here today, life may grow greater for those who have lost faith in it, simpler for those who are confused by it, more secure for those who would escape it, happier for those who may be tasting the bitterness of it, safer for those who are feeling the peril of it, more friendly for those who are feeling the loneliness of it, and holier for all to whom life may have lost its dignity, its beauty, and its meaning. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let's play a game. I'm going to share with you a quote from a movie with my best impersonation of the character who makes this voice. You can make fun of me later. And let's see if you can guess it. Alrighty. You ready? Phenomenal cosmic power. Itty bitty living space. Anybody? Aladdin, right? This is the Aladdin version where Robin Williams A good Episcopalian plays the voice of the genie. This is the genie who is saying this. And this is sometimes what I think about Jesus. Phenomenal cosmic power. Itty-bitty living space. A few verses earlier in chapter 14 of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus and the disciples had just finished feeding the 5,000 Five loaves, two fishes, 5,000. Well, 5,000 men, plus women and children. Immediately afterward, Jesus sends his disciples forward on the ship so that he could go and pray. And when he's done, he finds that the boat has drifted into the midst of the sea and is being tossed with waves brought up by a mighty wind. Early in the morning, Jesus comes to them, walking on the sea. Phenomenal cosmic power, itty-bitty living space. I am gifted every now and again to receive letters from a retired priest who's a member of our congregation. In one such letter, he reflected on God's phenomenal cosmic power. This God who makes things bigger by breaking them. A God who can calm the storm. A God who defies buoyancy, and in the ascension, even defies gravity. Phenomenal cosmic power, indeed. But let us also remember the itty-bitty living space. St. Paul described it thus in Philippians chapter two, who though he was in the form of God did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave being born in human likeness. In that human form, Jesus is one who sees hunger in the eyes of those around him and feeds them. Jesus knows the necessity of prayer and quiet, and so retreats. And in that itty-bitty living space, there is one who sees the longing and desire for people to be near. And so he invites them into the midst of his cosmic power. And inevitably, when they are found to have little faith and begin to sink, he reaches out his hand and pulls them up. This instance of Jesus walking on water only appears in Matthew's Gospel And it only appears in year A of our liturgical calendar. What was Jesus showing his disciples? And what is ours to learn about our God with phenomenal cosmic powers, yet also chose to be with us in an itty-bitty living space? Beloveds, it is imperative that we hold that God is both cosmic and intimate. And yes, I do mean hold. For each of us, God cannot be so big and cosmic that we feel alone. But God also cannot be so small that God becomes just for us. Building, growing, and living an intimate and personal relationship with God must be balanced with God's cosmic, vast, omniscient, and omnipresent nature. We need to see the miraculousness of God before and within and beyond what we can see or even imagine without missing that that same miraculousness comes near and touches us. Peter, the disciple upon whom Jesus builds the church, witnesses firsthand God's phenomenal cosmic power in the feeding of the 5,000. With his own eyes, he witnesses Jesus on the water Emerging through crashing waves and strong winds. And with just a few small steps upon the water himself, Peter begins to sink. If Peter is the rock upon which the church was built, We are the next story in a church constructed continuously for thousands of years. What does it say about us who sit upon the shoulders of Peter as ambassadors of Christ? Now we don't get tone when we read scripture, but I don't believe that Jesus is rebuking Peter when he says, O oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? I believe it is said with tenderness and love. Tenderness and love as he reaches out his hand to pull Peter out of the waves and back into the boat. I do not believe that faith, little or big, is required for God in cosmic or human form to love us and to be present with us faith faith of the mustard seed variety or otherwise encourages and holds us steady in our role as ambassadors and disciples of Christ we we have been charged with sharing the cosmic and intimate God through the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers, to baptize all nations, to share the good news. In all of the ways that we witness the miraculousness of God, we cannot forget to witness, too, the miraculousness of God. Our gospel for today has inspired me to look more closely at what I need to be equipped in my faith to do the work that I have been given to do. What work has God given you to do? And where does your faith need encouragement to accomplish it? How do we show up for each other, lending our particular gifts and admitting our particular weaknesses so that our heads just don't remain above the waves, but so that we too can join Christ in the pulling up of people into the boat? Where I fail, you will succeed. And where we fail, God will not. This is our collective work and the calling of Christ, the phenomenal cosmic God made manifest in so many ways with us. In our reading from Romans, St. Paul says, How are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? The word is near you, on your lips, in your hearts. If not us, then who? Amen.